Hey folks, welcome into On Waveland. It's the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Uh, I am Brett Taylor, and that's out of Charmin, Patrick Mooney. We're still the, the people that do this podcast. None of us have departed the uh, Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic for the moment. Uh, I, of course, set that up because we're recording this midday on Friday, and it was overnight that uh, we had a... So, very important question here at the start, Zahadev. How do you want us to call when you drop just a monster news bomb? You know, we know it's a Woj bomb. People have tried to do it with Jeff Passan, and they haven't really come up with a great one yet. I have a thought of what it should be, but I, I you know, I want to defer. Oh no, I'm I'm curious what your thought. I'm I'm open to suggestions. How about that? Um. Well, so I. I feel like bomb is a little you can't you can you can take a part of your name and add bomb to the end and that's is fine you know like it but then i feel like you're, you're glomming a little bit too much with the Woj bomb so um i was kind of thinking uh charm explosion now charm explosion you, you know okay. it's a little tough to say you got to be you know it's we can do it because we're in the biz you know i can pull that off charm explosion <laughs> Uh, but you know, I, we're going to see, we're going to see how it catches, but that was a total, I was, uh, unfortunately, so I'm Eastern time. So that'll give me a little bit of cover, little kids and what have you, but it went out at what, like midnight, my time. So I didn't see it till this morning. And I was yeah. like, Holy shit. Charm explosion. <laughs> no, that, that wasn't my, that wasn't my initial reaction, but anyway, go, go forth. So I'm sure most Cubs fans listening to this know the news by now, but you can share the news and then you can set up and we can discuss. Yeah, I mean, as uh, like as was reported last night, Len Casper is leaving the TV booth uh, for the White Sox radio job. It's one of those bits of news that when you get it, you're like, "This seems is am I misreading this? I don't understand what's going on." What you know, and you immediately start going through like, "Why is that happening?" and and trying to and as someone that doesn't work uh, in like you know broadcasting, I, I was like, "Am I missing something? Is there something I don't know about like how much?" tv versus radio is paid like is is that white Sox radio gig that much better like i just i couldn't put it together i was like i'm missing something but uh then you know you text a few people you kind of remember what it's like working next to len casper working around len casper and oh yeah wait this guy is kind of obsessed with you know the details of his job the little things getting you know he loves the radio side of things because that is, you know, a closer relationship with the fans in some way. Uh, and, I, and I think he appreciates all that. I think he's a nostalgic guy that that loves the history of the game. And and it's pretty clear that this is like almost like a passion project for him. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for him. But I also knew right away when I heard that news like this is going to hurt Cubs fans because I, I get loving Len Crasper. I was a fan until like, you know, 2008, 9, 10, around then. And. Uh, I still remember that 2007 call uh, of the Ramos Ramirez home run that I think is Len's favorite call uh, covering the Cubs. So I get it. I mean, the, like Len's just uh, associated with the voice of the Cubs and him and JD have developed this crazy rapport that uh, almost immediately. Right. Because like, Len kind of pushed for JD uh, when when Brenly left and and that they immediately hit it off. They have they're on the same wavelength. They may not, you know, have the same musical tastes or agree on every single pop culture reference, but they they played off each other so well. I, you know, it, I I'm in the I'm in the press box most of the time. 
so I don't get to hear them as much as I used to maybe a decade ago, but uh, when I do, I it's, it's a seamless listen. Uh, there's no issue listening to it. I never, nothing stands out. Uh, obviously, the marquee broadcast was a little odd this year at times. There were things that stood out, that, but you expect that. You're breaking, a, you know, you're, you're starting a new uh, company in the, in, in the middle of a pandemic, uh, that, that's that got to be hard. But overall, I just think I, I feel a little bit bad for Cubs fans, uh, but I'm excited for Len Casper. And, and it, it, he's a unique guy, clearly, with this decision, since everyone was so baffled by it. He, he uh, marches to the beat of his own drummer, and you got to love it. Yeah, I mean, great work, Sahadev. And I think you hit it on the head in terms of Len uh, is – kind of a radio nerd and he loves the details of his job and you know TV is always a subjective business and you know some people are going to react to different voices or personalities differently but the only thing I can say is that uh, Len has great attention to detail he never took uh, a day in the Wrigley Field booth for granted it didn't matter if the Cubs were you know, expected to win the World Series if they're going to lose 100 games. Uh, he would prepare meticulously. Uh, he'd always get there early. He had great relationships in the clubhouse, uh, in the front office, other people in the media. I feel like every couple of years there's some crazy story about, like, you know, a fight in a booth or, I mean, even the White Sox, how, you know, like, uh, Hawk and Stoney, you know, didn't weren't exactly like best of buddies, and you could see how far apart they were in the booth before social distancing. How far apart they would sit in the they booth, invent, and they invented that. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was Hawk, yes, that was Hawk uh, Hawk's invention. But just the I don't know the lack of ego and the total lack of diva tendencies in a business with huge egos. Uh, I think is really. Uh, exceptional uh he's always been great to us in terms of championing people's work um and just all around really a tv star who didn't act like one and treated people behind the scenes uh really really well and really cared about the broadcast and making it comprehensive and and, and relaxed and offbeat at times um so i think you know we all know it was a challenging year for everyone in every aspect, and launching a TV network in the middle of a pandemic was not easy. But I think you can see from the quote tweets off of uh, Sahadev's uh, Charm's explosion was that uh, the only thing, not the only thing, but the main thing that people liked about Marquis was Lennon GD. Like that was the thing that you could count on, uh, particularly when you're stuck at home in the middle of this awful summer, was that you knew what you would get from Lennon JD, and now you're taking out. Uh, one half of that. I think it's going to be really um, interesting times over at Marquee. Well, let me respond to all this then from uh, the fan perspective. Uh, and I won't presume to speak for every fan because, of course, Cubs fans are not a monolith. They have different opinions. You'll even find a few out there that uh, really didn't like Len Casper. So, uh, again, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself. But I do think I have a decent finger on the pulse of what fans think generally. And also I, um, 
you know, the primary way that I consume the Cubs, both as a fan and for my work, is watching the games. You know, I uh, watch every game almost. And, you know, so like Len Casper has been the soundtrack to me being a fan, experiencing my fandom and doing my job uh, for obviously a very long time. You know, his time with the Cubs predates my time doing Bleacher Nation and I've been doing Bleacher Nation for 12 years. So it's, um, I'm still unpacking at an emotional level like, the, okay, boy, this is going to be really different. And uh, as part of what I do, I also watch a lot of Cubs broadcasts on the other team's feed. Uh, and I do that because sometimes it provides interesting content opportunities. That's the cynical reason. But also it's just to get a sense of like, okay, how how is this broadcast team regarding the Cubs? How are they regarding their own team? What's that going to provide me in terms of how I want to think about these things and talk about these things? It's just a, it makes for an inter- interesting way to, to take in like half of the game. And I can tell you with uh, great confidence and experience, having done that for a very long time, that Cubs fans' general affection for Len, and in particular Len and JD working together, isn't just born out of it's the only thing you know and so you think you like it. They're really good. They're really, really good in a lot of ways that you might not be able to articulate if you don't take in a lot of other broadcasts. But in particular, Len's ability to um, connect the viewer and Cubs fans with the game and their fandom without being a homer um, while still being an, an, an impartial sort of observant part of the broadcast is is really tremendous. I mean, I, I think, again, I think it's something you just don't appreciate or even recognize as happening as it's happening. And that's kind of the highest level of the skill. And I suspect we will find um, whoever the replacement is um, there's, there's almost certainly going to be a learning curve, uh, not necessarily in terms of broadcasting, but in terms of what a Cubs game is and what Cubs fans want and what marquee wants and, and all of this. And I, I think it's going to hit a lot of us really hard. I think it's going to be sort of a holy crap adjustment. And, um, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And then, you know, Maybe maybe I will lead into a transition here a bit because we can't ignore that this news is coming at the end of a week where we had the tender deadline and we knew uh, because we had talked about it here on the podcast before and it was all of the media coverage that that was possibly going to mark an additional part of this transition period for the Cubs. Um, and indeed it was. Uh, we We knew pretty much that Albert Almora was going to be non-tendered. And and I think there's a conversation there that I I don't want his story to be completely lost with all the other transitions because he's been an important part of this Cubs era too. But Kyle Schwarber was sort of the borderline case, a huge part of the Cubs narrative over the last seven years. And he's non-tendered and chance he comes back, but an even stronger chance that he does not. And so you've got that happening this week. That of course comes after uh, the transition from Theo Epstein to Jet Hoyer in the front office, which comes after the acknowledgement that, you know, John Lester might be moving on as well, which comes after the previous year transition from Joe Madden to David Ross. And the through all of that, you could have pegged so much of that coming years in advance. And indeed we did. We might have thought it was going to come after 2021, but um, 
in the broad sense, none of that could shock you that these transitions are happening. Uh, I never even, it just didn't even cross my mind that our connection to the broadcasts would be changing too. And so it's, that's why this news in particular is like, it's such a gut punch right now because we're already experiencing this transition that we could have braced for with something that none of us were braced for. Yeah, I think maybe if you were cynical, you could have looked at, ooh, Marquis coming in. Would they be crazy enough to shake things up in the booth? I mean, Len and JD are kind of, you know, uh, synonymous with the games right now. Uh, everything that we've, we've described in the past 10 minutes just now is, is I mean, I think is pretty accurate. Uh, there's a, it's, it's hard not to associate Len and JD, first of all, together and with the Cubs, right? And uh, I... So it's a it's the one thing you could almost cling to as a Cubs fan. Okay, at least uh, you know all these guys may be going. Maybe uh, Kyle Schwarber's gone. Uh, is Chris Bryant going too? Are the Cubs going to go through some rough times here on the field? Well, we have Landon JD to listen to to get us through this. That not being there has to be hard. And I, 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 I just I, I hope the people in Marquee understand, uh, have a better pulse than what they've shown so far as to what Cubs fans want. And and I I I don't know uh what exactly their their goal is as far as what type of broadcast they want to pull off. But uh while Len wasn't from Chicago, J D wasn't uh isn't from Chicago, uh they don't seem like big names or like bigger than life uh personalities that have to be on the national radar, right? They're just a, a they, and they kind of have that Midwestern feel, I get, guess, that Cubs fans appreciate. Uh, Len is from the Midwest. I, I don't think JD is from. I think he's from the New England, if I'm remembering correctly. But uh, sorry if I'm wrong on that. Upstate New uh, York, either way, yeah. it's OK. Yeah. Uh, so so it's a you know, it, it doesn't have to be a Chicagoan that they bring in. Right. But I think you just want that feel of this is a local broadcast and, and they can also they know how to bring in that local Chicago feel and 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 really touch home with the with the Chicago Cubs fans. Uh, I think you need to find someone like that. I think you need to find. I I think it's really important to find a young, and up and coming name right now. I think that would be make much more sense than just going after a big name that people have heard of. I I don't think you need a name that anyone's heard of. Uh, it doesn't. When I say anyone, I mean like the the greater fan. Uh, the average fan. Obviously, you'd hope that <laughs> one of us has heard of the person that they end up bringing in. But uh, I think that's the right move. You don't need to. You don't need to make waves with. Hey, look at this big national name we we're bringing in. Or here's a former player that's going to be a third voice in the booth. I don't think you need that. Keep it simple. Uh, it's a it's a baseball broadcast. That you don't need bells and whistles with baseball broadcasts. You need you need people that know the game and know when to let it breathe and know when their moments are big and, and simple things like that. That's all you need. Yeah, you're right. I think there is kind of opportunity here. Whether you're talking about marquee or the baseball side, and I thought Brett put it really well on Bleacher Nation today, in terms of like. All these things kind of, you know, make sense in a vacuum. Like no one was, I mean, totally shocked that the Cubs made that decision on uh, Kyle Schwarber. Uh, you know, Joe Madden leaves, but I think generally speaking, everyone thought David Ross 
did a fine job uh, and looks like he could be a really good major league manager for a long time. Like if, if you were a fan of another team and your team hired Jed Hoyer, you'd probably be pretty excited. Like, wow, this guy's got three world series rings. He knows what he's doing. Um, But just taking all of this together. And I think, um, I can't remember who, but someone definitely tracked down the Tom Ricketts. What do you got against uh, Marquee Network clip from <laughs> Cubs convention last year? And that you're not going to be booing Marquee Network at this time next year. And, you know, I don't think it's really Which even is just true. True, by the way, strictly speaking, there is no Cubs convention. <laughs> so he wasn't wrong about that. That's just, yeah. I mean, that's next level stuff there. I mean, <laughs> and I think individually, there's a lot of talented people at. Marquis, I just think Marquis has become this symbol of the Cubs kind of either overreaching or people feeling like the Cubs, uh, you know, having gone all out uh, trying to build another World Series team, that there's been these other investments and these kind of other outside pursuits and, you know, trying to maybe reinvent the wheel here. And obviously you've seen, we have not seen the Cubs pre-pandemic be big players on the free agent market uh for obvious reasons right now there's a ton of uncertainty of you know what they can and cannot do and what the budget for baseball operations will look like so yeah when you take all of this together uh on the one hand sure maybe the cubs identify this next great announcer and you know um and there is opportunity here to give uh, a chance to some young guys and maybe not um, kind of make the same mistakes that we've seen since the World Series, but taken together, um, you know, I was just up last night reading the replies to this hot of tweets, just like dying with laughter because it was people were just unloading. Yeah, it's it's weird how this has become a sort of singular flashpoint when um, – it's not as if the organization post 2016 hasn't provided Cubs fans plenty of opportunities to be pissed off. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's sort of just an accumulation of a lot of things. And this, because this has such that personal connection to the way we consume the games, which is the vast majority of fans and the vast majority of the times they're watching games on TV um, that it just, I think it hits at another level. So from here, I think what's going to be interesting is um Again, we knew that the Cubs were going to be in this transition period. What we didn't know and haven't known and still don't know is to what extent the Cubs, both on the baseball side and now quite clearly on the business and media side, is can they frame this world as an opportunity? Like you were saying, Mooney, I'm, I'm not blowing smoke and full of shit when I say that there actually are opportunities. You know, I sort of think of the weird parallel um, at a, a much narrower level when we were talking about the bullpen a couple of years ago and even before this season where um, the Cubs had stopped signing big names. They had stopped spending a lot of money in the bullpen, which in isolation sucks and is bad and like, oh, we don't like that. That's not good. But it is also still technically true that not doing that provides, creates a vacuum that provides opportunities. And because they did that, they had innings available to give to guys where they could try to reclaim some guys. And actually, they had tremendous success doing that. It's probably about the only thing that they sort of this 
vacuum created success or excuse me, opportunity zone actually worked out over the last several years, but uh, it has. And so it is true that when you are forced to reimagine the broadcast, when you are creating a new network that has had an unquestionably uh, imperfect launch, um, when you are letting so much of your baseball uh, operations staff go, we can't forget that that's part of this too. That's another shitty part of all of this. Uh, sorry, that's that's two two shitties in the last like uh, you know five minutes. I wonder if Michael <laughs> will leave those in. Uh, our producer Michael might leave those in. You know, to kind of it's, it's the tone. Sorry, that's just what I'm feeling today. See, that's why you got to uh, wear a shirt and tie, Brett, for these podcasts from now on. Maybe. I know I don't have that professional. So remember, you're at work. Yes, Michael, that'll be Michael's <laughs> suggestion note here. I, uh, I I don't and I don't I don't think I'm a serious threat to leave for the the marquee booth anytime soon. But um, you know we we can genuinely talk about these things as opportunities because they this whether it's been foisted upon them some of it has been by the pandemic uh some of it has been missteps in the years after the world series in my view we we as cubs fans can be pissed off about that stuff that's fine that's fair uh we don't like change things are bad you know whatever but the opportunities are real and so I think that we're going to see over this next year, both again on the baseball side and the business side, the media side, we're going to see what the Cubs do with these opportunities. And what I'm curious for you guys is, is there any reason to be optimistic about how the those vacuums will be filled and the opportunities presented? Or should this sense of overwhelming despondency that I think is gripping a lot of Cubs fans, even if they aren't articulating it quite exactly that way i think that's what a lot of people are feeling like oh my god nothing is going right and nothing has gone right for a very long time and nothing will go right again for a very long time you know get you know take pull it pull it back a little bit give us the rational perspective on going forward and what sort of the next 12 months of transition are gonna maybe look like well i mean i would say i i don't want to say there's no reason to have hope beyond 2021 but i I do agree that it's going to be tough for Cubs fans, and I don't see – it's hard to envision a scenario where Cubs fans – and I think we said this last winter, shoot uh, – where Cubs fans are excited going into the 2021 season, right? Uh, I I can't – I'm sorry. I, I'm blanking on how his last name is spelled. Irma Cio, uh, the, uh, the outfielder that they picked up. I mean, that's right now their option for a – third outfielder am i remembering the roster correctly jason hayward ian happ and and no other outfielders unless you consider chris bryant an option for left field or right field wherever you want to put him uh it's yes you're right brett it creates opportunity like it did for the bullpen and it and it worked to an extent i would say in the 60 game season with the bullpen you you found some keepers you found some uh legit talent that probably wasn't uh, as obvious, uh, you know, nine months ago or whatever, uh, as you know, these these certain arms look like they're not just they weren't just stopgap 2020 help. Uh, it, certain guys could help beyond. I right now there there's I mean we have to point out that the Cubs like double and triple A outfielders. There's nobody there that's that you would call an everyday big leaguer that is projected to be an everyday big leaguer. Their best outfielder is Brennan Davis, who hit low A 
in 2019 what year is it 2019s and and you know was at the south bend uh alternate site this past season but and he's a great prospect. I'm high on him. I think he's going to be a great player, but that's years away. 2021, you don't have a third outfielder right now. You just you gave away, you gave up the Kyle Schwarber for nothing because why? I mean, the reality is what that tells you is the trade market wasn't existent for him. Uh and and just look at who got DFA'd, you understand why. There are a lot of players similar to that skill set. Uh, you know, not exactly that skill set, but David Dahl, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall. Uh, I mean, these are similar players to Kyle Schwarber. You're not going to be paying uh, nine, ten million dollars for those guys or trading any uh, prospect of consequence for for those players right now. This is the reality baseball teams are facing. Uh, so it's hard for me to say, yes, you should be optimistic about the opportunity created in the outfield. I think what you, I I don't want to say it's a reason to be optimistic, but it gives us a chance to really evaluate this front office from the get-go. What type of talent can they unearth? What kind of, uh, how much have these changes, not just to player development in the minors, but they've been hounding on soft factors for, years now multiple years they've been bringing it up they've been talking about uh looking at other organizations with a a tinge of jealousy with how they are able to continue development at the major league level how many players have stagnated i don't want to say that it's every player javier Baez became a better player at the major league level even kyle schwarber did if you look at 2019 and end of the season but then he regressed right so it's uh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm, I can't think of anybody else now at the top of my head that's improved at the major league Wilson level as better. far as position players. Yeah. Wilson got better. Sure. But at the major league level, it seems like they come in there with the bang and then there's not this next level, uh, Ian Happ, uh, there's, there's one guy, but he had to be sent to the minors. So it's, it's, it's this, uh, you want to see it's a it's a great opportunity for us to evaluate these guys evaluate the coaching staff at the major league level how good of a job are you doing of getting these guys and making sure that okay they're here and they're here to stay but that doesn't mean they're done doesn't mean that this is who they are and this is who they're going to be uh regardless of prospect status so you're always working to get them better that that's not just on the coaching staff it's on the players they have to be willing to embrace these things make tough changes but I think for right now, the way I look at it is I'm going to we're going to have a really good chance to see. Are you guys good at unearthing talent? Are you guys good at uh, progressing the development of players at the major league level? How good uh, are the changes that have been made to the pitching staff was what happened to Jason Adam, Albert Alzali, those things that have you excited about whatever Craig Breslow and the and the pitching infrastructure behind the scenes working in tandem with Tommy Hadovy and that pitching infrastructure uh, how how good is that really? Like, did we was that just a couple good uh, data points last uh, summer, or is there something legit to build off of here? And can they do the same with the hitters? Which is just a harder thing to see, uh, something that we haven't really seen much with the Cubs. Uh, but but they have an opportunity here. They're embracing new methods, and and it's a it's something that has worked for numerous organizations, the best organizations in baseball right now. And if they have the right people in place, maybe we'll see it uh, this season. It, it may not lead to 90-plus wins, but if, if there's progress in certain areas, I think that's something that Cubs fans should be watching and hopefully can be optimistic about. 
Brett, I like the phrase opportunity zone. I may have to use that at some point because <laughs> I'd asked Jed that I'd asked Jed this the other day and it was a zoom with multiple people. So I was kind of trying to phrase it the right way, but I asked something like, you know, uh, I realize there's only like 30 jobs of these in the world, but you know, there's kind of this perception of you have to kind of clean up. I don't want to say the mess here, but that's, you know, kind of, part of this, you know, what does it feel like, you know, kind of day to day now that you're actually in the number one chair? And uh, I thought he had a good, good answer um, that we'll be working into a story here pretty soon of like, he said, sometimes the best decisions you make are the hardest ones. And sometimes the worst decisions you make are the ones that you're excited about at that moment or have the most fan appeal. You always have to keep that in mind. So I don't know if the Cubs brought back Kyle Schwarber and he struck out looking with the bases loaded, like on opening day, everyone been like, why did they bring this guy back? I think, you know, there's a case we made that Kyle Schwarber needs to get out of here. You know, I know people are trying to connect him to the White Sox. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, dude, this is the last place he needs to be. He needs to get out of Chicago and start over somewhere else and get a place where he can get, you know, 500 at bats and you kind of restore, um, his value. And, you know, I don't, I realize when you see a a John Lester leave or whoever, and there's this kind of these twinges of nostalgia, but I don't know, we've all watched this team for years. We've all been on Twitter and writing about it and processing and podcasting about it. I don't know. I I can no really feel like, yes, like let's keep this band together. Like I want to see where this could go. Like I, I, I think we can, as Brett, you would say, I think the Cubs can just leave it right there, you know, and then they can, you know, <laughs> yeah, bring about can, something different. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, one one thing real quickly, if if Kyle Schwarber goes somewhere and and hits uh, and hits for a higher average than he ever has with the Cubs and and hits forty plus homers or something like that, fans will freak out, right? If he figures it out, it, whether it was all the training and all the work he did with the Cubs and it just happened to come to fruition somewhere else, it won't matter. The Cubs will get ripped apart for multiple things, but including their ability to develop players at the major league level. If someone else gets that out of him, even if it wasn't the work done somewhere else, it's going to be really hard for people to look past that. And I was for a moment, as you were saying that, Sadev, I was scrambling my brain a little bit. I'm like, who is someone who sort of stagnated at the big league level? and left and then had tremendous success. Um, there actually aren't a ton of examples during this window because no, the Cubs haven't let anybody leave. Um, yeah. Jorge Soler <laughs> is probably the only one. Soler. And, uh, and that was playing time and injuries. Yeah, it's hard to put it on It's like that. he did hit with the Cubs. Like people forget he did yeah. hit with the Cubs. He just, you couldn't find playing time. Uh, you know, it, to Mooney's point, I think um, I, I, Cubs fans, we can't have it both ways, you know, because um, we can't, on the one hand, just kick and scream that uh, Theo does his end of season presser and it's like things are broken, we need to change, da da da, and then they run it back and we're pissed about that. Uh, and then now, the, clearly, just, there are substantial changes that are going to be made to this roster. Again, arguably foisted upon the team more so than like an internal logic of being like this piece for this piece and this piece for this piece, but like the changes come in one way or another. And so I'm not saying Cubs fans should be excited about like, well, the world series hero is gone. Woohoo. Let's dance. 
but I do think that maybe this goes back to this this opportunity zone concept. God, that's that's such like terrible corporate speak. I wish I hadn't, said, but it but it does it works. I think it was in like, like billions or something. Wasn't Axe trying to do something with an opportunity <laughs> zone? Is that what it was? Well, if it is, I can say I don't watch billions, so I came that's up with show. it on my own. Thank you very much. You know, I watched the first season and I could not get into it. it was, it's it was like too over the top, too kind of hacky, sort of. I don't know. We can do a we can do a, a, a TV and movie podcast on the side sometime because I got lots of thoughts. <laughs> got lots. I've been doing a lot of a lot of True Detective rewatching this off season, and I now oh. have like the definitive thoughts on like why season one was so incredible, what happened in season two, what was great about season three, bringing it back to season one, but sort of expanded on. You know, I got I got thoughts. I got thoughts that that nobody <laughs> listening right now has any interest whatsoever in hearing. So I'll wrap it uh, with some Cub stuff, which is that, uh, you know, oh, you know what? Maybe I can draw a little parallel here. All right, I'm gonna try. I'm trying live on the fly. Michael, get your dump button ready. You're you maybe not gonna want any of this for the pod, but okay. Season one, a True Detective, by the way, is the single best television season of and that's ever been made. If you watched it live. You didn't necessarily love it because it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be. You thought you were unpacking this mystery and it really wasn't that. It was just a tremendous show about these two detectives and their relationships to each other, to the crime and to the world. Uh, Go back and watch it. It's the best. It's the most incredible piece of art ever. Uh, Season two rebelled against that tremendously. He was trying to do something very different. Not unlike... You know, the Cubs had the 2016 World Series. They built to it. It was perfectly crafted. You look back on it even more fondly now because you can see how well it was constructed and how hard it is to accomplish that. And then thereafter, maybe, no, this isn't going to work. It's going to fall apart because they tried to do the same thing over and over again and it didn't didn't work. Damn it. Damn it. This is just <laughs> a terrible ending of this podcast. But we're going to leave it. It's all right. We're going to leave it. I, I, saw, I saw where you were trying to yeah. go. But in any case, <laughs> so Cubs fans, we will be talking more about Opportunity Zones this offseason. Um, but no, we you know we appreciate uh, you folks listening. Appreciate the Charmsplosion. And uh, you know all the best to Len Casper and what comes next. I'm sure White Sox fans who do the radio thing are uh, instantly going to be incredibly grateful that they... Uh, they, they landed him and it'll be interesting to follow the Cubs process of filling their booth and Marquis process of reconstructing its broadcasts a little bit next year when there's not a pandemic going on. Uh, well, whenever that happens, uh, otherwise we'll be back at you again soon when there is uh, more to discuss Cubs need to like not drop all this stuff in a single week so that we can space these out a little Seriously. bit more. Uh, or I mean, yeah, <laughs> have a little more regularity and then disappear for three weeks. And then it's like, Oh my God, they traded Chris Bryant the same week that Anthony Rizzo announced he's retiring. This is crazy. We got to do a podcast. Uh, Sahadev's work, of course, is at the Athletic. Patrick's work also at the Athletic. Check that out. Uh, what you just teased something, Patrick? You have something coming? Uh, what with Jed Hoyer sometime soon? Well, yeah, we've been trying to spread out the angles of bad. Of like, okay, well, you deal. Sahadev wrote the just stabbing Cubs fans in the eye with that. Uh, when they saw that on their Twitter last night. And John Greenberg, the uh, dollars and cents uh, aficionado, I'm sure will have lots of sarcasm and insight into Marquis and what uh, they're doing. Uh, Marquis' lead executive and uh, Crane Kenny will be doing a Zoom with the Chicago media here shortly. And John has been doing a lot of digging in behind the scenes to figure out kind of what's going on. So I think that'll be interesting. And then 
um yeah i'll just be doing something on like all right jed like this is your dream job um deal with it <laughs> go good, good luck with yeah, this good luck with that. <laughs> you have a weird dream guy uh all right well so look forward to that folks and we will be back at you you know rate review subscribe tell your friends and uh i'm brett taylor you can read my stuff at bleacher nation that's side of sharon patrick mooney this is on waveland cubs podcast here at the athletic we love you and appreciate you and we're not going anywhere so we'll talk to you again soon bye <laughs>